Welcome to Mortgage Broker Acceleration with James Vagley and Ash Playstead. Being a successful mortgage broker is not just about offering great rates and great service. You need to become the best marketer, leader and strategist to outthink your competition. If you want to grow your mortgage business and do it smarter, keep listening. If you want to accelerate even faster, visit www.brokerworkshop.com. That's brokerworkshop.com. Now, let's accelerate. Here's James and Ash. Hey, everybody. It's James Vagley here, and welcome aboard another episode of the MBA podcast. It's episode 102. Ash, looking forward to today's episode. How are you doing? I'm doing super well, James. Great to be here, and yeah, looking forward to today's episode. Yes. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Uh, very, very well. And um, listeners, this is going to be a very short, sharp, to the point we're talking about the fact that surgeons don't answer the phone. Now, we'll get to how this works in terms of mortgage brokers. But, Ash, I don't know about you. like And listeners, I'm sure the majority of you have broken something or something's probably gone wrong at some point in your life. And you've had to go and see a specialist or maybe even a surgeon. You know, Ash, I've gone to see the hip guy and the shoulder guy. And I can guarantee you that when... I had to see them. Well, I didn't just pick up the phone and he didn't answer the phone, right? Like there was a process. I needed to get a referral. I had to book weeks in advance and I had to show up at a specific time. It was made to wait in a small room and the surgeon walks in, waves their magic hands, touches you for five minutes, tests a few things and tells you what's wrong with you and leaves the room. It's like Mm -hmm. 10, 15 minutes. Um, And... People sometimes don't like that experience, do they, Ash? But, ooh, they will go see that best surgeon and they will wait. So we want to use this concept of surgeons in the context of mortgage broking and try and flip the mindset that most of our listeners in the industry has around thinking they have to be accessible 24-7, almost on a whim to their clients and their partners and they live and breathe by at having their mobile phone attached to them. Uh, how do you want to start to unpack this, mate? I love, love, love this topic, just so you know, everybody. Um, look, uh, this mindset shift is one of the most important. And, of course, as all things, James, right, it starts with a mindset shift. I mean, I would uh, challenge any of our uh, listeners to, to ask themselves, when was the last time you went to a specialist, a surgeon, even a, maybe a dentist, um, a specialist provider, and asked them their price? Hmm. When is it? When do you ever walk into the heart surgeons with uh, a loved one, and you ask them, "Hang on a tick, don't, don't start diagnosing me. What do you cost first? This is really the mindset shift away in many ways from being a service provider, i.e., the customer is always right type mentality, whereas, you know, I've got to convince the customer to do business with me type thinking, and I've got to do that through crushing them with my availability and my service. It's shifting away from that, which may be where mortgage broking started, to the mindset of, okay, I'm a specialist. I have a set of skills, very specific skills that are incredibly valuable and powerful and impactful in the life a customer. Mm-hmm. So that's where it starts. And then it's a case of, okay, to what you said, James, like, yes, I think we've all been through the 
protocol of accessing a specialist. And it can feel potentially, not not frustrating, but you can feel a little bit of, um, come on, hurry up, hurry up type thinking. But underneath all of that, there is this pervasive conviction that you'll do whatever you have to do to get to the best person to treat you. Right? Yep. That, that's, that's that underlying conviction. If you could walk in to a surgeon's office and, you know, you saw their ad in the newspaper, like surgeons don't advertise, but if let's just say they did and you walked into their office and the surgeon was wandering around behind the counter and said, oh, hello, what can I do for you? Like, do you think the desirability and the conviction and them being the right person for you is going to be as strong as if they have to actually go through a few hoops to get to you? Exactly. So that's that's sort of where it starts. Then, of course, um, we go to, I think you said that that sort of, if you could talk talk about the conveyor belt mentality or the conveyor belt vision where, you know, the role of the surgeon is to drop in and out on and off the stage at this point in the process. Like somebody else will gather details, somebody else will book an appointment, somebody else will do a bit of a Q&A. Like, you know, when you go to the surgeon, guess what the first thing that happens is? Here's a clipboard with a couple of sheets of paper. Answer all of these questions while you're sitting down waiting for your appointment, which, by the way, you'll they'll be an hour late, right? Um, so we do that, right? And when you walk in to the surgeon, there's not much banter necessarily. There's not much, you know, hope you're having a good day, you know, t- shooting the breeze. They're straight down to prodding and poking you to find out where the pain is, where it hurts, diagnosing you, and then giving you a prescription to fix. Yep. Um, and then it's like, well, I, I, this is the problem. Here's how I'm going to fix it. When do you want to get started? Well, the response is always, I want to get started now. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Because, yes. Oh, it's a really, it's a really good one, and um, I, I've got, a, I made a number of notes as you were talking, Ash, and I reckon a lot of our listeners might be thinking, yeah, but, yeah, but James, isn't, hasn't the industry evolved and po- been popularized and been successful because of the twenty four seven nature and answering the phones and going over to someone's house and patting the dog and being their best friend and 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 being available, um, whereas you know, banks and other professions have typically been not. And I just thought this this is an interesting statistic, Ash, that the industry's been around a long time now, 30 years, odd, 30 odd years. And when I was mortgage broking in the early 2000s, I think the market share, uh, you, you might correct me on this, but do you remember what the market share was? Was it not quite half or was it even lower in the 40% or even 30s? Well, um, when I started, it was in the 20s. Mm, 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And... If we think about what's happened in the last 20 years, we've had this evolution of professionalism in the industry, right? We've had, uh, in in Australia this is, we've had NCCP and compliance, we've had licensing, regulation, more and more and more regulation, and uh, the bar has been set higher for the industry overall, Ash. And lo and behold, that's actually resulted in our market share going up and up and up, and... I believe that the market share going up and up and up is because brokers are now seen as more professional in the marketplace. And I think people are starting to realize there's a difference between being someone's friend and helping them save some money and being a real professional. And the fact Mm -hmm. that 
the market is saying we do want real professionals. We don't want someone to come around to our house in the middle of the night and fill out application forms. We want, we want help with the, some of the biggest decisions in our financial lives, you know, buying houses, selling houses, etc. And uh, I think it's going in the right direction. So much power and impact to what you just said there, James. Um, and you're absolutely right. The industry, I mean, you can call it professionalising. You can call it um, maturing beyond a cottage industry into a professional services industry. And there probably was a time, you're quite right, when going overboard on the service provision was the call to action because banks weren't doing it. Banks were treating customers like, um, you know, um, very poorly, like a like a, a piece of meat, a meal, right? But that's really the the banking structure. Like if they can make money out of you, that's about all, you know, their priority was. So the service was very poor. So mortgage brokers came along and sold or moved into the service gap. So the industry was sort of floated off that proposition plus competition, obviously. Fast forward to today, you know, and it might be controversial here, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. I believe one of the most important things that everybody needs to take on board is that customers do not want options. Customers want to be told what to do. Now, this is to me, this is a, maybe it's a bit of psychology, but it's certainly a mindset. And this is the surgeon um, metaphor as well is who wants to go to a surgeon and the surgeon to say, well, here's the five different types of surgery I can perform. Which one do you want? Like, who wants to hear that? Nobody. What we want is, do you know what's wrong with me? Yep. Can you save my life? Yep. Okay, when do we start? Now. That's really it. Now, there are some nuances given, but that is really the underlying outcome and level of comfort and certainty and security that the vast majority of people are looking for. And, yes, you've got to wrap around a service process um, and have a team and, you know, be able to, to articulate how your business works. But the only bit that the customer really wants from the broker is, do you know what you're doing? Can you save my life? When do we get started? Yep. Now, yeah. if you've got a team of people that do everything else, awesome, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> as long as it's the right strategy for me to get me the outcome that I want, that's the main thing. So we really need to take that thinking through and build our proposition to clients off the back of that, which then, James, going back to your earlier point about should a mortgage broker answer the phone? Should a mortgage broker be available at the first point of contact? Should the mortgage broker be visible all the way through the conveyor belt of their business? No. In fact, I would argue that's actually counterintuitive and counterproductive to the client's expectations that you do that. The client actually values you so highly that the less they see you, the more it supports the belief that you are the surgeon in the mm -hmm. business. You only get involved for the most important life-saving work. Yeah. The rest can be done by other people. Yeah, and that's where I think a lot of brokers have, have trouble letting go. And uh, while you were talking, I think you hit the nail on the head, but um, another thing I was going to mention was this I think there's a lot of confusion in the market, in the minds of brokers around customer service. Now, well, you can open up a lot of industry magazines and go to PD days and things like that, and you'll hear a lot of top performers that have built good businesses, writing good numbers, 
talk a lot about, they always will all talk about their exceptional level of commitment to customer service. And I think a lot make the mistake of thinking that this means that you've got to have your phone glued to your hip belt. You've got to be available nights and weekends and at the drop of a hat and that you've got to treat your clients like a friend. I think there's a misconception there that uh, customer service is actually about what you said, Ash. It's about uh, all the customers really want is confidence that they'll get the results because you have a clear process. Um, I think that's the distinction. So we're not saying, listeners, that customer service is not important and you should turn off your phone and never answer it. Uh, you know, hear us clearly when we talk about this issue of we're not saying throw the phone in the pond and never answer it. We're saying <laughs> that just there's a subtle distinction between answering the phone at a drop of a hat and having a process where it goes to a voicemail or you have a reception receptionist-style person answering it for you and taking control of the process and that client and giving them what they need as soon as possible, you can still achieve that without dropping everything at the, well, drop of a hat. And Ash, let's not even get yeah. started about the inefficiencies and uh, ridiculous inefficiencies of a broker sitting there answering the phone and emails whenever they come through. That's about the worst thing anybody could do. There's a couple of really key things I want to quickly unpack on that. Number one is, you're right, there are lots of broking businesses that are still one-man bands at the moment, or maybe you've got one team member. So, yes, having a business where somebody else answers the phone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's not achievable tomorrow necessarily, but it's what you should be aiming at. That's what you should be building towards is a business that does that, right? So there will be steps and processes and constructing your team and systems to facilitate that. So that's number one, right? So it's it's it, it's an outcome you're working towards, not an immediate change. It's your mindset that's got to change first and then work towards it. That's number one. Number two is what you said about mortgage brokers being chief cook, bottle washer, secretary, problem solver. That's how we all start in the industry, most of us. We go into broking either on our own or in somebody else's business, and we're doing everything because, we, you know, we haven't got a couple of hundred grand to pay three staff members day one to work in our business. It doesn't That's the way the industry has evolved. You start out on your own, you're mentored, you learn the ropes, you work hard, you write loans. Maybe down the track you can convert it into a real business. So most brokers get to this point, and I've been speaking to a couple of brokers recently, James, who are writing in excess of $100 million. They still do it all themselves and they don't know how to get out of that trap because that's how they started. No one told them it's just phase one. They just assumed that's the ongoing way to build a business. Do everything, work hard, be good to your customers, of course, and somehow miraculously you'll be able to make a great business and have a great life as well. But what inevitably happens is as you get more successful, you get busier, people want you more, and for a time, that's a positive, but then it becomes a negative because the world starts to close in around you. And it's like, oh, how do I how do I go about transitioning from being a super busy mortgage broker that does everything to a business owner that does a bit of mortgage broking, but has got a team around me? That's the big riddle. 
That's true, Ash. It's a great, great uh, distinction because we talk about this a lot with our members, don't we? About um, we're not necessarily talking about what would you do from day one because I'm guessing most of our listeners have been doing this a number of years, and that's probably the biggest roadblock. Is yep, I understand that I okay if I had my time again, I I maybe wouldn't have answered the phone. Um, I'll set things up better, but I've already got this pseudo commitment to my partners and my clients that expectation that everybody thinks they need to get me and oh, I can't can't say no and I can't turn that off uh, and a lot of people struggle with this transition as you just alluded to around you've built it around yourself and being available but then you need to make this switch between being available and not um, what would be your probably biggest piece of advice around making the transition to starting to hand off those initial phone calls and that sole point of contact once you start to become successful? Yeah, really good question. Well, look, beyond the obvious mindset shift, which I think a lot of our listeners will you know, immediately be drawn to, yeah, that makes sense, I get it, but how do I do it? Well, to me, it's sort of, it, it, it's about stepping perhaps back into the details, you know, get advice, get help, speak to us, speak to somebody about getting help to do this. But I reckon the first step is to map out your workflow, come up with a set of tasks that you're currently doing that you don't need to be doing, which might be answering the phone, um, collecting documents, submitting data, ordering valuations, you know, that sort of stuff on the production line, processing. Make a list of tasks that you're currently doing that you could pay someone else to do and then go about finding a person to fulfill that role. And of course, implicit in that statement is making sure that you know you can communicate what those t- tasks are. That's part of obviously what we work with our our members, James. But as a first step, it'd be having a look at that workflow and going, righto, how how many of these tasks can I not do and it won't have any impact on? the client's perception of the service, the stuff that happens behind the scenes that the client has no clue whether it's me or someone else. Yep. Yep. What are those tasks, right? Yeah, that's great. Start to offload those tasks. And then I think when it comes to the the phone itself, you know, surgeons not answering the phone, well, if you don't have a team yet, pretty easy. Let it go to voicemail. Have a very specific voicemail that says, I check my phone a few times a day, I'll get back to you within the next couple of hours. Just by doing something that simple uh, allows you to stop getting interrupted by phone calls and messages constantly. Uh, That would be a key thing to do. And then, of course, the goal is to move from that to having somebody live answer your call and filter and triage and make bookings and deal with those inquiries as they come in. Uh, And obviously, you've got to position this with your partners and clients as well. So there's there's a few things to it. But at the end of the day, Ash, um, where we should all be aiming to build real professional businesses um, that are beyond just the per- that one person operation. And mm. I think the sooner each of our listeners starts to move towards that, they'll not only see a better reaction and perception from the market and their clients, uh, and they'll actually get more business, but they'll then be... Uh, They'll, they'll have less stress, they'll have more time and more flexibility to do the work that they're enjoying. So it's mm. one of those things where it sounds simple, but it's actually quite difficult for a lot to get their head around this 
um, which is why it's one of the key things that we work with our members on early on. And mm -hmm. even people that have been at this 10, 20 years haven't figured this out. So um, I would suggest that anyone that's in a position um, of being too busy and being overwhelmed and being interrupted every five minutes needs to make that mindset switch of stepping up to being that expert, that surgeon, and you'll actually reap the benefits, even though it doesn't probably make sense to most of you. Yeah, great advice, James. And look, in a perfect world, this would be part of the onboarding of any new broker to the industry. A um, couple of things uh, that I want to mention. This has been said to me many times, particularly by brokers that have been in the industry for, let's call it beyond two or three years, five to 10 years, um, is that this has never been taught. No one tells you how to do this. All they do is tell you how to write loans, learn about lending, diversify your income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of which has some value. But the industry doesn't do a very good job, or it certainly hasn't historically done a very good job of providing a snapshot for an incoming broker to go, well, here's the journey. All right, you need to start here. Then you need to do this, and then you need to do this, and then you need to be thinking about being a business owner in due course. You should start with that thinking from day one. But yeah. the industry doesn't do a very good job of that. So this is where coaching organisations such as us, we, we fill that void. So my advice is reach out, get help, right? Even if you intellectually know what to do, I still highly recommend reach out, get help, get some advice to, to, to work out the right path and to, to take the right actions in that direction so you're not trying to fix this with one fell swoop, which is what we, brokers tend to do because they're busy already working long hours, how do I fix this problem? Well, I'll just whack it really hard with one shiny object and let's see if that works. Unfortunately, it doesn't. So I think the next step is really to, to reach out, get some external input and go from there. 100% agree, Ash listeners. Hope you've liked this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, but hopefully we've at least planted the seed with you to think about yourself as a surgeon um, whether you've got one month or one year or 10 years of experience, you should all be thinking as of yourselves as experts, as surgeons, as people that need to have their time respected and start to build those frameworks and boundaries around what you do. And it will actually come back to support you even further. So hope you like this episode, listeners. Ash, it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait. wait. Can't wait. <laughs> until next week and maybe next week I can talk properly too. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic episode, great discussion and I am looking forward to the day when we have our first doctor of mortgage broking. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, have an awesome week Ash, listeners, you too. See you next time. Thanks for joining this episode of Mortgage Broker Acceleration. It's now time to grow your mortgage business, your income and your lifestyle too. If you want to accelerate and learn from the best, head over to BrokerWorkshop.com and join the next deep dive training with James and Dash. That's www.BrokerWorkshop.com. Until next time, go get them.